Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth. And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore. From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. Beth, what happened today? And what are we talking about after that? Well, I'm not going into detail about what happened today. It's actually not horrific. It's a good thing. In February 23rd, which is the day we're recording, in 1954, kids received the first polio vaccine. Yay! Get your vaccines. Good for them. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but I know you should get your vaccines if you're not exempt because of a medical reason. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. And also, I've been forgetting in the past few Alphabet of Death episodes, which is what we're doing today, to mention the book I get it from. It's in the description. Oh. Um, I always just copy and paste. Well, then I don't paste. feel that bad. I don't go into details it. about each episode. I just copy and paste the explanation because none of the explanations in our descriptions are specific enough. Oh, well, so, there you go. It's, I, it's there. There. All right. Cool, cool. We are starting with L's. L is for... Leukemia. Um, leprosy. Oh. So we both have terrible diseases. Pretty sure you can die from leprosy. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Unfortunately. But first is labyrinth disease. I don't know what that is. Well, it's also known as this word I cannot pronounce, manures. That's poop. Manures. Manures. I don't know. It's got a bunch of those little apostrophes above the E's. I'm it, not good enough to know what that is either. It causes a sensation of spinning or dizziness. And the feeling of imbalance, and it's called vertigo. I know what vertigo is. Good for you. Congratulations. Go get yourself a cookie. Mm. The possible causes include scar tissue, narrow or large labyrinth channel, ear infections, and head injuries. I understand the head injuries, the ear infections as well. Yeah. What's a labyrinth channel? I'm guessing it's some sort of thing in your ear Mm. or your brain. Because uh, your equilibrium gets all funky if your ears are messed up. Vertigo attacks are sudden, disabling, and can be life-threatening. Well, depending on where you're at, I get vertigo when I'm on a high place. So yeah. it's life-threatening to me. Triggers can include loud noises in busy places. And labyrinth, suffer- <laughs> labyrinth sufferers often avoid normal activities to prevent attacks. About 60,000 people have this disease and without treatment. Some may die within three years, often being listed as accidental. I'm assuming they do, as you said, they're either in high places and they fall to their deaths or they bop their head. In traffic. Yeah. Busy cities is not the place to be. They can also lead to heart attacks and strokes. It's kind of odd, unless it's considered just downright alarming constantly and they have one of those. Yeah, which definitely could happen. Mm -hmm. If you ever stood up too fast, it can happen. To some yeah. people. Or you take too hot of a shower and it's too cold outside of the shower. Mm-hmm. It's shock. Basically shock. Yeah. You shock yourself. A 31-year-old with vertigo explained it as living with an unpredictable time bomb with uncertainty of when it might blow. Another 46-year-old compared vertigo to being extremely drunk and stuck on a tilt-a-whirl for hours. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea it of that. It kind of sounds fun, but it sounds horrible Oh, no, that sounds time. terrifying. I wouldn't want that. <laughs> Around 4,000 people with labyrinth disease died in 2004. Oh, man. That's a lot more than you expect. Mm-hmm. And then there's latex sensitivity. I've heard about those. Yeah. A 65-year-old man from Florida was made fun of by his wife for years over his fear of the dentist. She said his watery eyes and skin rash was all in his head. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. wonder what this was. 
Uh, I don't know. But in 1996, he collapsed in the dentist's waiting room and died due to an allergic reaction to rubber. Oh. The air in the office contained latex dust from medical gloves and dental dams. I don't know what that is. I don't know. That might be a typo. But this is what triggered his previously unknown, but now known as latex sensitivity. Kind of hard to imagine they didn't know about it. Looks like people would have been showing signs of that since latex. I don't know when latex came along, so maybe that's it. A latex sensitivity is an allergy to anything rubber, including medical gloves, condoms, bandages, pacifiers, first aid galls, baby bottles, balloons, pencil erasers, and elastic fabric. It's latex You're is screwed. Yeah, latex is meant to be a very soft, by definition, malleable, I suppose, uh, skin-like plastic. You could fill things through it easily, and it still keeps germs away. So mm. it's useful. I can't imagine being allergic to it. I know people constantly saying it's a thing. I never actually met someone who had it. Mm, I don't think I have either. Latex reactions can worsen if the person has consumed food which contains proteins that trigger latex allergies, such as bananas, chestnuts, papaya, cherries, figs, passion fruit, peaches, and avocados. Is it like a... It just contains some sort of protein that triggers... A latex allergy, apparently. Potassium or something? I don't know. Potassium is a protein. I don't know enough about that to do that. I don't, wouldn't that be a vitamin? A vitamin? I don't know. Latex is challenging for the body to detoxify, and prolonged exposure intensifies reactions. Healthcare workers and lab researchers who regularly wear medical gloves face a higher risk of latex issues. Over 15% of healthcare workers develop latex allergy, which obviously put- poses a potential career-ending disability due to the necessity of wearing the gloves for protection. Yeah, it's a career-ending disability for sure yeah. if you're in the medical profession. I don't know that. Maybe there's alternatives out there that the hospital would keep around. But Yeah. And hospitals use rubber in various medical procedures, including monitoring equipment, IVs, urinary drainage tubes, and oxygen masks. So many things. Mm-hmm. A lot of health hazards for the allergic. Yeah. Workers in hospitals with recirculating air, as opposed to those with fresh air systems, face a higher risk of latex reactions. In 2004, 14 deaths resulted from patient reactions to the cuff and lubricated rubber tube in barium anonymous. Oh no, that would be awful. That's horrible to explain how that person passed away. Yeah. I wonder what that death certificate said. No idea. A nurse in New Orleans sued her hospital in 1997 after severe reactions to rubber gloves. She won $60,000 in workers' comp. That was in 97. Imagine what it'd be now. Yeah. She tried opening a bakery, but she returned to nursing a year later. And then she sued again for latex allergy symptoms. And this time she received $75,000. I feel like she shouldn't have won that second one. Now... It is the employer's job to make sure she's in a safe working condition, and they should provide alternatives if there is them, or if there is any. Oh. They hired her, probably knowing, obviously knowing what was up, uh, if it's the same hospital. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't think it was the same hospital. Surely the same hospital wouldn't hire her back. Yeah. Let's hope not. Good job keeping records on your own employees. Yeah. I don't know if there's an alternative glove or something hospital-wise, because I feel like you need good protection when it comes to working in a hospital. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how the gloves work. I know that in restaurants, you can have those 
like plasticky, not rubbery, but the plasticky gloves. Yeah. But they rip so easily. I would not trust that on a doctor. I've only had to wear that kind of glove when I worked in a paint room yeah. to touch um, acetone. In 1878, the first patent for rubber gloves emphasized protecting hands during surgery. But regular use took another 40 years. Yeah, it was real slow. to A lot of medical things back then were slow to catch on. Mm-hmm. And now some of them are too quick because you get fake cures for things. Yeah. Rubber allergies have caused 3,976 deaths since 1995, which may have gone up by now, probably. This book is a few years old. Mm-hmm. Laughing can kill you, too. I did not know that. I assumed it was a possibility, but I didn't know that it was mm-hmm. enough to warrant its place in a book. Yeah, in 1997, a 64-year-old man from Burlington, Massachusetts, experienced blackouts while watching Seinfeld. I've never watched a single episode of Seinfeld. I've never watched it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. People say I should watch it, but I just have no interest in watching it. It's not the kind of thing I watch. I also want to say that's the one that fired the girl that plays Phoebe in Friends, which probably made me, if that's what I think it is, the reason I don't watch it. The only kind of show I like like that is Big Bang Theory. A neuroscience specialist investigated hoping for a new laughing disorder. I don't know why you would hope for that, (laughs) but discovered the man needed a triple bypass. Narrow arteries combined with a hearty laughter restricted oxygen to the brain, which caused unusual symptoms. Unusual such as blackouts. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, yeah, it just said blackout. It didn't say he died in particular. Well, somebody had to have died or it shouldn't be in this book. Yeah. Laughing psychosis is a mental disorder leading to spontaneous and inappropriate laughter without a valid reason. The Joker. Yeah, I was going to say that Joker movie. I did not like that movie either. (sighs) It was okay, but it's one of those that I would only watch once, probably. I I guess. um, I watched it once and decided I wouldn't watch any future ones. (laughs) (laughs) Afflicted individuals may chuckle at odd moments, um, laugh upon walking or laugh upon waking or falling asleep which would creep me out I was sleeping next to you. Or they'll burst into laughter in socially inappropriate situations, as said before. I do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a nervous thing as well. While laughter is generally acceptable for those with laughing psychosis, it can be embarrassing and, in severe cases, even fatal. Such as people getting mad. You laugh at the wrong person and they they kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole story of the Joker. Mm -hmm. Well, almost. Laughing disorders result from an excess of amino acids in all brain sections, inducing a laughing trance by disconnecting from reality. The exact link between amino acids levels and altered perception is unclear, but misfiring synapses That's what it is, yes. disrupt neurotransmitters at the synapses. I don't know what that means, but I figured it was important to add. Synapses. The more they fire, the more your brain is working. If they're not transmitting to each other, then they there's clearly a problem. Oh, well, this affects the frontal lobes. So. And then you laugh. Yeah. Ha ha ha. This imbalance leads to confused judgment and reduced inhibitions. Medications like dopamine aim to restore a bridge to reality for individuals experiencing laughing disorders. Huh. I never would have thought dopamine would do that. Yeah. Apparently more women than men typically aged 15 to 30, develop serious laughing psychosis. And it's likely influenced by estrogen's impact on the brain, amino acids. I wonder if that's where you get the idea of crazy cackling witches. Maybe. I don't know. They, they all cackle for some reason in stories. Look up the history of witch cackling. I could see this getting someone burnt at the stake is what I'm saying. Yeah. Men in the same 
age group may induce laughing psychosis through substance abuse, such as cannabis, acid, and speed. Cannabis? Yeah, cannabis makes you laugh at stupid shit. Substance abuse? It's legal here. What are you talking about? Well, I'm assuming at the time the book was written, it was not. Oh, substance abuse. (laughs) I suppose you could substance abuse alcohol too, though. Yeah. Prolonged laughter in this condition restricts oxygen to the brain, and that leads to cell death and intensified laughing at less humorous stimuli. Oh, no. I laughed myself to death. Yeah. I guess that's not a horrible way to go. I'm pretty sure there's a spell in a game I've got that does that to people. I know Tasha City's laughter makes them laugh, but it don't kill them in D&D. I'm almost positive I've played a game where you can make someone laugh to death. You can laugh to death in Sims. Okay. Yeah, I did once. (laughs) Joey's character that I made said a joke to me while I was on the treadmill. And next thing I know, and I just started playing the damn game too. Just started. And all of a sudden, I'm dying because I laughed to death. That's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. We wouldn't know because we don't see it on stream anymore. Mm. Hallucinations and altered belief system contribute to the risks of associated with laughing to death. I don't know what they're hallucinating, but <laughs> apparently. It's real. going to crack you up. <laughs> A study at the University of Maryland's neuroscience program revealed that people are 30 times more likely to laugh in a group setting. Individuals are less likely to laugh at the same thing when alone. I guess it's one of those things. You see somebody laugh and you start laughing. It's a great human thing. It's kind of like a yawn, but more exciting. Yeah. That never held me back from laughing. I will laugh at just the silliest things that make no sense sometimes on TV or I'm reading or an idea just pops into my head. In 2003, there were 8,901 deaths attributed to laughing dementia or laughter as a secondary cause. Like heart failure, like they said earlier, heart failures and stuff like that. Yeah, that's quite a bit Uh, for that. I, I have laughed until I felt sick before. Now you skin a deer. And you eat a sandwich without washing your hands, and you get your Lyme disease. <laughs> that's that's Slither. I've watched Slither. <laughs> that's not how you get Lyme disease. Well, I don't know. Can you get Lyme disease that way? You might We're not be medical to... professionals. Do not listen to anything we say. Oh, no. no. If you want to know how to catch Lyme disease yourself, you just look it up yourself. You go get a tick a and doctor. just hope that it has the Lyme disease. Run around a field a little bit. and Ticks, which most people should know, are blood-sucking parasites with a head and body that can expand to the size of a silver dollar. Have you ever seen a tick the size of a silver dollar? Have you ever seen those deer in like safari videos and they are got big bumps all over them? Those are ticks. I've seen a cow like that once. Yeah, so they do I get large. Oh, and it, it, it's like a phobia, little bumps on things that mm. don't belong. Yeah, that yeah. bothers me. It's some sort of phobia. I don't know what the first part of it is. Uh, yeah, I forgot what the actual word is, but yes, those bother me. <laughs> Domophobia? I don't know. <laughs> little tiny domes well no things. it's also holes the holes also bother you it's a whole texture thing i think the flood um, from halo had this yeah. kind of pustule looking things that caused distress to some folks yeah ticks have become a major cause of illness and deaths in the u.s um not that this has anything to do with that but i also seen that mosquitoes have the highest death rate of things like this uh-huh. Yeah, that's why we spray for them in southern states. And, you know, global warming, which some people think doesn't exist, uh, is causing more swarms to head farther north. See, we have a like a respite from it all during the winter, but that's changing as things warm up. <laughs> mm, yay. Deer ticks carry Lyme disease, and they cause symptoms such as 
recurring fevers, joint pains, depression, slurred speech, and weak legs. I wonder if I've got the Lyme disease. Also, didn't it make you like this, not be able to stomach beef? I heard that too. Maybe it's a completely different condition by the same parasite, though. It could be a. That's thing. possible. Ticks have multiple. Yeah, they things. are parasites there. Hmm. It's not a symbiotic relationship. I don't know of anything that you get from having a tick other than its company and a disease hmm. or two. Tick borne illnesses can lead to paralysis, which requires life support on a ventilator. Currently, there are no fully effective treatments for those diseases, which I did not expect yeah you just don't go outside and don't let your pets go outside get little treadmills for yourself and the animals Mm. and avoid the outside and its mosquitoes swarms and ticks ticks and the deadly bacteria they carry have existed for millennia playing a role in controlling populations with ecosystems what are you trying to say what do you mean what about the population part read that part they play a role in controlling populations with ecosystems they Within ecosystems. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said with, not nothing within. You just said with. It's like, I take this ecosystem and I bash you with it, population. Well. I bash you with this ecosystem. (laughs) (laughs) Playing tiny gods here. (laughs) Since 1977, when children near Lyme, Connecticut, were found to have a tick-transmitted form of arthritis. Oh, no. 621,918 people have been affected by this disease. Is this Lyme disease? Yes. I'm assuming they named Lyme disease after this area. Yeah, but you said it's arthritis. I never would have thought it was considered an arthritis. I I didn't know it was either, but (laughs) apparently so. Is it all these children have arthritis I've got some arthritis medicine at the house. I wonder if that would help. I don't know. With the Lyme disease. Lockjaw. Whatever the technical term for lockjaw is, should be in here. You know, rusty nails, been in the dirt for a while, get cut. It's actually not the rust. It's the soil. It's not the soil. It's the bacteria or virus in the soil. Yeah, but... And, um, yeah, I know that. I also know that it should be in this L section. And uh, Scott had to go get a... Tetanus. Tetanus shot. I guess tetanus is the word I was looking for earlier. Mm -hmm. Had to go get a tetanus shot earlier this week. While you weren't around because he stepped on a nail in the yard. An old rusty nail from an old burnt down thing. We figured he better have one. Yeah, apparently there's nothing you can do Once with you get a lockjaw. Yeah, you get that shot or you go. Over 95% of cases are concentrated in specific states. I bet Florida's one of them. Some health insurance policies in those areas may exclude coverage for outdoor activities after dark if one contracts the disease. It's... But ticks after are out. Dark? I didn't I know heard, that no dark was a thing. I don't know why it would be after dark because ticks don't care if it's after dark or not. Are we sure? Maybe they see things we can't. Sense things the way we can't. And maybe, but it's been daytime whenever I've got a tick. Why are we out at night anyway? Think about it. Yeah, true. Apart from Lyme disease, ticks can transmit various illnesses, including Colorado tick fever, Masters disease, relapsing fever. And Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. I'm pretty sure a lot of these fevers we just now mentioned were covered in episodes of Sawbones. Maybe under ticks itself. So if you want to know more about that, I'd recommend listening to Sawbones. It's a good podcast. Oh, I should go listen to that one. Yeah. Because I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure it's under ticks. Or maybe Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Um, But I'm I'm thinking it's ticks. that They cover most of these there. Tick paralysis along with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever is being explored for potential use as biowarfare agents. Wonderful. I thought that was illegal 
or like a war crime? I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't think it's, I don't, it might not, knock on wood, I don't know if it's illegal to experiment, but mm. it might be illegal to use. Oh. It's kind of hard to find out if it's been yeah. made, is the thing. Yeah. No, they're not going to go out and, and just wave a flag. Guess what we did? Yeah. Since 1900, tick-borne illnesses have resulted in the deaths of over 1,133,871 people. And that was whenever this book was written again. The book was written in 2006, so. Okay. M is four. Uh, oh, mutilation. Uh, I don't know. It's melanoma. It's a cancer, I believe. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's bound to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was masturbation. Why? Um, m- mostly not really a death thing. There can be death if you do things the whole, in, in a like, uh, what do you call rough it? Uh, way, I guess. What is the word for uh, scarfing? Yeah, Brian things Kinney. like that. <laughs> things like that. In the 1950s, scientists wrongly <laughs> what? Scientists wrongly claimed that even one instance of masturbation could lead to physical and mental deterioration, disability, insanity, and premature death. Another episode of Sawbones is uh, Doctor Kellogg's weird prescription. It's one of their earlier episodes, and it covers some of his beliefs about this. So you might want to listen to that as well. <laughs> And not the catalog of serial fame. It's his mm. brother. Oh. He he actually made um, a sanatorium. I feel like we should just, at each alphabet of death, be like, go listen to Sawbones. They're better than us. <laughs> they go into more detail. They actually know what the hell they're talking about for the most part. They go into more detail about certain things <laughs> we talk about here. Um, Kellogg. That's a good episode. Mm. I actually have it as a favorite. I listen to it like once every few months. <laughs> If I'm going on a road trip, whoever I'm with is listening to it, too. (laughs) The historical perspectives considering masturbation, there's a hidden plague with frightful consequences that labeled it a killer of youth. For a long time, they made chassis belts for teens and children um, in America for this reason. Also, Yeah, but don't those cause, like, infections and stuff? Well, Dr. Kellogg didn't care about that. Oh, okay. You can die from the infection, but that's all good. While death or disability can occur in extreme cases like electrocution or choking on objects during masturbation, these incidents are rare and unusual. Which is why we mentioned them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as I mentioned, if you have other things, like, I guess you're into the shocking thing or <laughs> the scarfing, as it was called on Queer as Folk. Yeah. There was a famous person other than the guy in the show that actually done that, but I don't know who they were. Uh, I think we've mentioned this before, and it's auto asphyxia. Auto erotic asphyxiation. Yeah, that one we mentioned it. About three thousand seven hundred sixty-one people die annually in the United States while engaging in auto erotic activities. I'm surprised it isn't more. It might be more by now. Yeah, pandemic might change things. <laughs> Mental research kills. I think we've also mentioned that a few times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the 1920s, Dr. Henry Cotton believed mental illness came from infections. Dr. Cotton here. We're gonna... mm-hmm. <laughs> he just sounds like he should be sipping tea on the front porch of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> he suggested removing infected body parts to improve patients' mental capacity, which may have helped in other ways, but now, now maybe not on. that one. Infected mental? The only body part that's attached to that is your head. Well. If it's mental research. What? <laughs> oh no. I feel like you should back in those days probably 
be forced to remove infected body parts, maybe not the head. He claimed the 87% success rate and gained media praise. Okay. Leading to Trenton State Hospital to allow him to extract 11,000 teeth between 1919 and 1921. Oh, we were just talking about your teeth. I told you she get this pulled. No. This resulted in toothless patients and a quarter missing limbs. <laughs> no. Imagine the bins uh, behind this place. Oh. We could go into a whole subject of Dr. Cotton here. <laughs> and it's just fun to think of his. He might not have had an accent at all. But I still want to think of him as like, because <laughs> he's got Cotton in the name. Oh. He just These sound- poor patients. This hospital must have been where, terrifying. Where was it at? I don't know. Oh. Um, it, the name of it was, hold on a second. Trenton State Hospital. Yep. There I don't know go. if a Trenton State, so um, that doesn't help. No. I wonder if it's still open after all this. I hope Mr. Cotton's from the South. Does the boss I sound like I'm being prejudiced? So let me look it up. <laughs> uh, Dr. Henry Cotton. Dr. Henry Cotton. Oh, no, he's from New Jersey. Trenton. I should have known that. Um, apologies to all the not Southern New Jersey folk. Technically, parts of New Jersey, I do believe, are Appalachia, though. I think so. Yeah. So, it's still, I'm okay. An investigation revealed 45% mortality rate due to surgical errors and worsening mental conditions. Yeah, you have no arms or teeth. uh, Dr. Cotton's methods, this led to criticism. That's all. It didn't lead to an immediate stop. It just led to, hey, you probably, listen to him, he's cuckoo. Well, despite being debunked, Dr. Cotton maintained his extraordinary record of achievement, and that part is in quotes. Today, he is widely regarded as one of the most controversial psychiatrists in American history. I go to you because my head is funky, and you cut off my arm and And take all my my teeth. teeth. (laughs) I bet he's been bit by just one too many patients. Oh. So, or gummed. At this point, yeah, he, uh, that's all it would be after that. <laughs> I bet this was all just for that. I'm glad that I wasn't alive in in those early years. The 20s? Yeah, also in the early years when they thought strapping a chicken to a boobo helped the bubonic plague. Uh-huh. That's, that, or, you know, rubbing some feces in it. Now, I'd say these same patients lacking teeth to bite with, probably resort to tossing feces <laughs> <laughs> if they had arms. Oh, and when I mentioned the ticks earlier, I mentioned mosquitoes, which is what we're talking about now. The Assateague Air Force. Yeah. That's what they call them. <laughs> they eat you up. They are responsible for more global deaths than all wars and disasters combined. Mm-hmm. They spread infections by transferring blood from one victim to the next. They really need to work on their backwash. You know, it wouldn't be that unpleasant or that deadly if they didn't have that. Yeah. Maybe I still we wouldn't like them. Breed backwashless uh, mosquitoes. You can't get rid of all the mosquitoes, but you cannot breed the, the bad ones. I think that's a thing they're doing. They're not working, not the backwash thing, but they are breeding mosquitoes that do uh, bad to other mosquitoes. I don't know how. I can't remember the science behind it or what they're exactly they're breeding out of them, but they are doing mm. it. Well, they should do it at Chikatig. I think they're more worried about farther southern states where things are really bad. The mosquito's needle uses capillary action to draw in blood after injecting the blood from its previous victim. What was that word? Capillary. It's any of the fine branching blood vessels that form a network between the artery. Capillary. 
Is that how it's said? I've heard it. I don't know if that's it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I'm not a medical person, which is weird because why they eat the blood, or at least it's the females that eat the blood, I believe. Um, so why are they spitting it right back in somebody else? I don't think they mean to backwash. We don't mm. mean to spit back in our bottles of pop. Mm. Despite their role in transmitting various diseases, health officials argue that mosquitoes cannot spread AIDS or hepatitis. However, they do acknowledge that mosquitoes now transmit West Nile virus, which causes swelling of the brain. Yeah, it's downright terrifying, too. In 1999, 398 deaths were reported, and since then, over 40 more have occurred from this incurable disease. Is that all? Well, well probably yeah. more. Yeah, that's came out in 2006. Yeah, that's only been six and years. I'm going to assume that it's not really in that much in America. It's probably mm-hmm. in less developed areas. Not just more southern areas than we are for sure. Well, yeah. Perhaps the Nile. I'm just saying that because it's in the name, I don't know. That's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. We had like the Spanish flu, which really wasn't the Spanish. And Really? Yeah. It's just the fact that reporters were allowed See, to report on it. I have it on my list of things to cover in episodes, but I, I watched got a whole there, so. thing about it. They're, the American uh, media wasn't allowed to talk about it. They were more interested in collecting money for the war that just broke out. Part of World War. So why would we call it that if it's not that? <laughs> because their media didn't stop them. They weren't part of the war, Spanish one, the Spanish one. So they could report on it, and all the news that we got were from Spain. Hmm. So we called it the Spanish flu. Oh. Uh, when in fact, it was all, uh, certain reporters do try to bring it up, but instead of bringing it up, uh, they were told to take it down and put up ads for war bonds. <laughs> Female mosquitoes can deliver up to a thousand bites in their two-month lifespan, and they feed on the blood to nourish their eggs. And milled mosquitoes do not feed on the blood. They prefer plant nectar, which means I prefer the milled mosquitoes. Those are those humongous, hideous ones that everybody terror. Just, yeah, just the terror. ones you shouldn't be afraid of that you're terrified of. I'm not afraid. I catch them and throw them out, even though I suppose they are a big part of the reproductive process. Well, yeah. <laughs> Around the early 1900s, approximately 500,000 cases of mosquito-transmitted malaria were reported. The total number of deaths related to mosquitoes since 1965, is over 10,726. Surely it's gone up. Yeah, it's most definitely gone up. It's mosquitoes. That's all Well, for today. So what was that? L through M? L through M, yeah. Okay. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, we're slowly, slowly finishing out the alphabet. But we're collecting a lot more information to other things to do at yeah. the same time. If you like what you heard here, we have multiple podcasts. We're part of the Gruesome Gaming Group Podcast Network. There'll be a link in the description. It's a link tree link. It'll take you to all of our socials. The first link in that link tree will be uh, our website. We'll take you to all of our the website, our website of all of our podcasts. And you can just choose which one you want to see or listen to there. Subscribe through there. Or you can find us on YouTube and subscribe there. Leave a comment or a view if you get a chance on wherever you hear us. And uh, share us with someone else if you like it. If you don't, we have an email also right below the link tree link. And you can send us a little, tell us what you think. Or give us an idea what we want to cover, or what you want us to cover. Um, there'll be one for my sister in this particular podcast, and there'll be one for the whole podcast network that I get. But if you reach out wanting to talk to my sister, I will let her know as well. I should also say that I stream on YouTube occasionally. I was streaming Elden Ring, but I've put a pause on it until the new DLC comes out. And until then, I will start streaming Baldur's Gate, because I've had some requests for Baldur's Gate. It's a big game. Kind of like Elden Ring, but I don't want to do too much in Elden Ring until the DLC comes out in case I get to a point where I can't. I'd have to start the game over. I don't want to do that. But yeah, let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. I have been Raimi. And I'm Beth. 
And this has been HHNH. Uh, bye bye.